The Operatives is a spy-based podcast hosted by Agent Fran. By listening, you have joined the secret alliance of spies across the globe. Such members include the artist Rampa Coca and the musician Taylor Paisley French. Are you ready to save the world with spy media? Continue with caution. Hello and welcome to The Operatives. I'm your host Fran, author, YouTuber and all-around lesbian nerd. Welcome to the show. Today we are diving back into the Gallagher Girls book series by Ali Carter. Book 1, I Tell You I Love You, But Then I'd Have to Kill You, chapters 5 to 8. I'm very excited to continue with this because we are getting some pretty juicy stuff this week. But as always, I have my points to focus on. So today we've got plot progression, tension, and generally what I thought of it. So let's dive in first with this week's sections overview. And there's a lot to say, so I will get right to it. But before I do that, I just want to remind you all that if you would like to support this podcast, please consider doing so by going to patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran for early access to all podcast episodes and YouTube videos. It is the best way to support me for only $2.50 or cents. Yeah, cents in America <laughs> per month. And uh, yeah, you get access to a lot of exclusive things so if you would like to I would very much appreciate it but now for real let's get into the main thing so here is the overview for chapters five to eight things are heating up not only is Macy continuing to be a nightmare even driving the girls to fight which is not the done thing in Gallagher Girls Academy Joe Solomon is changing up covert ops even more by having an overnight assessment instead of class Due to their fight, Cammy, Bex and Liz are the front runners for their first ever on-the-ground mission. Their goal? Find out what Mr. Smith has with his donuts. The problem? Mr. Smith is the top spy in the world who knows how not to be surveyed because he's being hunted by many, many different organisations and has plastic surgery pretty much every ser server every summer to hide his identity and because of that it's hard very hard chameleon cammy duchess bex and bookworm liz are struggling to keep up they've got to eyeball keep an eye on the subject back up be in line of said eyeball and be in reserve drop back and ready to step in and they must rotate these roles regularly bex and liz are good but cammy is better she blends in easily, from being still and regular with a corn dog, ice cream, or just interacting with others, or maybe even just existing. She's basically invisible. And that would be great if her two best friends could keep up with that momentum and skill. As well as if they could keep up with Mr. Smith. But unfortunately, in not being able to keep an eye on him, well, Bex and Liz get caught, and Cammy has to leave them behind. But thankfully, she got the bottle Smith had with his donut. Mission complete. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, a boy named Josh sees Cammy, and no one ever sees Cammy. 
After talking, a bit of flirting, and a conversation about a cat named Susie, Cammy runs back to campus where the class gets a lesson in spying. If you get caught, you get dead, and the very real-looking photos of Liz and Bex's beaten bodies is enough to make them all see the truth. That night, the three girls settle in with the hard reality of the job they're training for, and Cammy keeps a secret to herself. And that is the overview for these four chapters. And like I said, there is a lot that happens in them. But the main priority for these sections, to me at least, are the plot Wow, what a hard. <laughs> the plot progression aspect and the tension that comes with them. Because honestly, this section was oh, this was these this book is so good. <laughs> this book is really good. Uh I just I have many thoughts, I have many feelings. I realise I don't have a section on characters, but I do briefly want to talk about characters before I get into the two main subjects because what's interesting is seeing the changes already happening with Macy. Macy is still being a grade-A asshole. I mean, she comes to sit at the table and talks to Bex and Cammy and Liz and all this sort of stuff, even though she's never spoken to them except to insult them. And mainly after Liz speaks in French, because it's French that day in the cafeteria, asking why is she talking to us, uh, Macy then proceeds to be the asshole that she is and insult Liz nearly making her cry which leads to the fight where Bex pins Macy's arm behind her back and grabs her nose piercing prepared to yank it out which I freaking love Bex so much um it was interesting to already see the difference like people are already kind of their opinions aren't changing of Macy because she's still an asshole but by the midpoint of these four chapters there are some changing opinions because Macy does have her uses and her uses are in fashion <laughs> because the girls are all going on their covert operations mission at night out with Joe Solomon. So they're all being teenage girls and stressing about what they're going to look like and what they're going to wear, which is when where Macy comes in. So it's already kind of setting up an interesting position for Macy because she didn't have to sit at the table. She deliberately tried to start a fight with them because she was smiling when Bex attacked her. But she's also willing to offer support. So it's already kind of almost showing that things are already different for Macy because even though she's still being an asshole, she's engaging. And that doesn't seem to be something that she'd ever done before because Macy doesn't have friends. And now she's interacting with people. Uh, no, it was just, it was an interesting setup. Uh, it did amuse me though that Cammy, throughout the whole dressing section, is saying to everyone like, "Guys, you don't need high heels. Why are you wearing the like? We are going out into town for a covert mission. Wear sensible shoes." And like Cammy is me. Cammy is me. Whenever I used to go clubbing, I would wear sensible shoes. I would wear <laughs> not reasonable outfits, but like. I'd be like, I know it's going to get cold. I know <laughs> it's going to, yeah, it's like a hard thing. Like I never thought about, well, I've sat for a few times, um, about what I was wearing. I was thinking practically, <laughs> which, you know, is good, but isn't always good. But this is why Cammy is the chameleon. Although ironically, she was being a chameleon at the time because no one was listening to her because that focus was on, you know, being teen girls. And I kind of like, 
like that as well. Uh, but we also do see the relationship between our three mains as well, or the three mains that we currently have. It'll eventually be four from Raleigh, remember. Just a, It's when we get to the tension part of the fact that they are looking at photos that look real of Liz and Bex's beaten bodies and, like, the absolute devastation and panic and, like, revulsion that Cammy feels seeing it. Or that was a that was a character moment and a half. Oh my god! It just like you're feeling the relationships of these characters really well, and I think that's something that like it's a skill in writing in general to build up relationships so easily. Like you knew how close these girls were from chapter one, but at this point you're kind of you see how much closer they get after all of this. <sighs> And you can already almost feel just like their friendship is so important that the fact that Cammy is then keeping his secret almost feels like a betrayal already. So you can feel, you can sense there's going to be tension in relation to these things already. They're close, but, you know, Cammy didn't tell her best friends about Josh. Ooh. Anyway, <laughs> there, was, there was some really character moments. I just wanted to bring them up as like a focus thing. But let's go into plot progression because this is the main thing these are the big things we have the inciting incident officially in fact we have two of them and i kind of love that that's two plots running in conjunction conjunction that's it no maybe i don't know conjunction with each other first one like i was mentioning within the main overview solomon is pushing the girls hard he is making them realize the true reality in what the job of being a spy means and gave them a different taste in the role of spy they never even considered except for cammy because that's what happened to her dad he made them seriously think oh we could literally die we could be tortured we could experience and see terrible horrific things like he makes cammy feel physically sick from the photos that he is showing but that's just the reality. But it just then also makes you think, it's like, okay, were these photos staged? Were these real photos but of different people? Like, it just makes you wonder so many things. And it's like a tension aspect, which I'll talk a bit more on. But it's a really dark moment. But it sets up the intensity of the spy aspect, which is the inciting incident for the covert operations and the spy school element of oh yeah, we're really seeing where this is going to go and the point of Joe Solomon's teachings. But then the main true inciting incident, because again, this is a teen series, <laughs> is Josh, the boy who sees Gam Gammy? The boy who sees Cammy, the girl who never gets seen. A secret boy she doesn't even tell her best friends about because for a girl who everyone knows everything about, she wants something just for her. And I kind of love that, actually, because, yeah, that's a valid reason to not want to. But it does also set up a precedent of, a precedent, precedent of, you know, she is keeping secrets. And yes, spies keep secrets. But why is she keeping this one a secret? Like, it kind of, like you're already kind of feeling the tension for this of, like, you know this is going to come back and bite her in the ass, Like, straight off the bat. Like, you know this is going to be a problem. <laughs> We've got the title of the book says it all. And it's just... It's just really interesting. Also, her, in, her meeting Josh 
was really interesting because yeah he's the first person who saw her she was able to blend in really easily technically she was seen by a group of older women but like they thought she was someone else and she was able to kind of play into that really easily they didn't really see her her and in her case it was also she knocked into them by accident it wasn't like they intentionally saw her she kind of accidentally drew attention to herself whereas in the case of josh she was working to be invisible and he saw her when she was trying to be invisible and when she was doing spy stuff because it was when she was getting the was it dr pepper i don't remember the drink now <laughs> i'd be a terrible spy uh but getting the drinks bottle out of the bin that mrs smith threw in there after getting it with his donut obsessed love it and he's just he's a very smooth guy for a teenager and a teenage boy at that for what they're like 15 what sophomore year in the u.s i think that's 15 yeah 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 because 14 is freshman 13 14 is freshman right yeah so 14 15 that seems right i don't know <laughs> if if anyone from america is listening actually maybe i should just ask my american friends i'm not going to ask them now because i'm doing a recording but i'll ask them afterwards anyway she sets up a whole backstory for it so we know these things are going to be significant because you know you wouldn't have these things happen if it weren't for the you know if it weren't for a reason he also knows her real name which i forgot that she gave her real name <laughs> uh i just like you can just you can already feel the tension of this moment but you know that this moment is significant because again it's a whole thing he's seen someone who's never meant to be seen and is never seen i mean she wasn't even seen by the guy who is his whole existence is trying not to be you know tailed and he didn't know cammy was there and he was impressed by that because his whole thing is trying to make sure that no one can find him because he's been hunted by everyone, apparently. Uh, which I was obsessed with Mr. Smith. I need more Mr. Smith. <laughs> and it's just, I'm just, like, it was already, like, I had the excitement for it. Cause it's like, oh, we know where this is going. Romance. But she's a spy and romance and spies never really go well. So you're already kind of like, oh, what's going to happen? So the tension and the plot progression has arrived. But speaking mostly about the tension now, and the main thing here being with the Joe Solomon stuff, that whole scene with Solomon just going off on the girls after the assignment was so intense. Like the descriptions we get of the photos and the way he's talking, even though you, the reader, are almost like you're basically like 99% sure Bex and Liz are fine but there's a part of you that is kind of wondering how far would he go to prove a point like this guy has been on their asses like this is class number two I think it's class number two <laughs> and he's already digging in deep like how far would he go to prove his point about it all like he's clearly not above taking tough love to the next level so how far would he go because like the whole point of this hard lesson is that he's driving home the the fact that the moment they choose this life of being a spy there is no backing out and this the beatings the torture that if you're captured this is what will happen is a reality check 
And like he's done one from like day one, like the first day he did a reality check. Now he's just kind of driving the point home by visually telling it. Like I just, I want to read the descriptions to you guys because like you do not understand the level of it. Okay, so um, he goes through and he's showing the pictures initially of Bex and Liz being easily surveilled. Interesting thing to note, Cammy is not in any of those pictures. So the girls were being surveilled, but they weren't able to get photos of Cammy. So she was so well hidden that the you know actual spies couldn't see her. And then Mr. Solomon is just like, don't you know, don't you want to know where they are? And she's like, I did want to know, but I was almost afraid to hear the answer. More images of the blah, blah, blah. And it just shows more pictures of them. Um, he goes, ask me why they're not here. You want to be a spy, don't you, chameleon? Now tell me what happens to spies who get made. And then there's a click on the projector. And it's like, is that Bex? Of course it wasn't. She was with Mr. Smith. She was safe. But I couldn't help but stare at the dark, gritty images on the screen. The bloody, swollen face that stared back at me and trembled for my friend. They won't start with Bex, you know, he went on. They'll start with Liz. Another click. And I was looking at a pair of thin arms bound behind a chair and a cascade of bloody blonde hair. These people are very good at what they do. They know Bex can take the punches. What hurts Bex the most is listening to her friend scream. And then, like, he's moving closer to her at this point. And she is screaming. She will be for about six hours until she becomes so dehydrated she can't form sounds. And then they start on Bex. They have special things in mind for her. And then this is when Cammy is feeling sick. And it's just like oh it was just i forgot <laughs> like it's like i said it's been a really long time since i read this series but like ali carter is so good at kind of making things like you you're feeling the emotions in this scene and i know bex and liz are okay because i've read the rest of the series i know that they are there to the end but there was like a second of kind of like could it could, could this be true and they do show that Bex and Liz are fine. Nothing's happened to them at all. But it's just... Oh, it was such a visceral scene. And the tension in the whole thing of just like this full targeting of just scaring the living daylights out of these girls to show them this is what can happen and may happen if you are not good, if you are not prepared, if you are not scared. And, like, Solomon ends on this whole thing of, like, if you aren't scared, we don't want you. Because you have to, like, the reality is, this is scary stuff that they will be doing. If you pretend you are not afraid, if you try not to be afraid, you will get dead. Because you will not be cautious enough. So he's almost trying to scare them to the point that they will become better spies if this is the direction they want to go. And I can't, like, oh... It was just a really, really good scene. And I'm hoping we do have more things like that because Ali Carter, you are very good at making things feel terrifying. And I want to know if she's written horror at some point because I think she'd be an incredible horror writer or like full-on thriller writer. Which I think she may have done with her high society, but that's a com that's another series for another time. But that is all for this section 
of I Tell You I Love You, But Then I'd Have to Kill You for chapters five to eight, because I have nothing else except Magnifique. <laughs> I'm saying it in French because this week it was French in the cafeteria. But that is the end. Thank you all for joining me for this week's episode of The Operative. Warning, this episode will self-destruct in five, four, three, two. If you would like to gain early access to this sensitive material, you can do so by supporting Agent Fran over at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran, or buy their books linked in the episode show notes. Want to know more about what's to come? Follow The Operatives over at The Operatives Pod on Instagram now.